Well, I think some careers need some offline part. When you're doing a haircut, for example, you, you just have to try it offline. So it's, yeah, but I think the vast majority of careers now, it's possible to learn at least for, for, for some level online. My name is Ish Babe, and I'm the founder and CEO of Virtually. And I'm Will Manin. I'm course director at Forte Academy. And this is Reshaping Education, where we discuss the future of education, including online courses, boot camps, and how the internet is changing how we learn. Hey, everybody. Ish here with Mike Peregrudov, the founder and CEO of Pivot. Mike, uh, so great to finally have you on the podcast. Would you be able to introduce yourself? Real quick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I, I'm a founder. I'm a founder and CEO of Pivot, which is an uh, online education platform for reskilling for adults in creative fields for some creative professions. So we'll be happy to tell more about what we build there. Yeah, and and Mike, uh, obviously you have just such a fascinating background. You're not a first time entrepreneur. You've built companies before, and actually had some pretty massive outcomes as well. And so. Maybe just before we dive into all the juicy content we have today about the future of education, upskilling, reskilling, and pivot and exactly what you guys are building, tell us a little bit more about just your journey into being an entrepreneur, founding your first company, and ultimately how you made your way into founding Pivot. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, Pivot is my second company indeed. And the first one was a company named Food Party. If to translate it from Russian to English, because I'm originally from Russia and lived there until like 2020, until when I was 35. So my first company, I, I, I built it in Russia. And it was a milky delivery service, like HelloFresh or Blue Apron in the United States or in Europe. And we built it, the largest company in this niche in Russia from, from 2014 to 2018. And then sold it to Yandex, which is a Russian tech giant, like Google of Russia or something like that. So they have search engines, they have taxis, they have food delivery. And so, yeah, in the end of 2018, we made this, well, quite a loud deal on the Russian market and sold this company to their food tech unit, you know, inside Yandex. And then I worked there as a CEO of this company during next like one one and a half year it was a part of the deal and then left the company in the beginning of 2020 so yeah th this was my first experience it was a really interesting journey and i learned a lot yeah and and then when i left and made this exit i just had some time like maybe six months to, to think about what i'm gonna do next and i don't know why but the decision was quite simple because I always wanted to do, to try to build something in education. And I obviously didn't want to build my next company in, in, in inside Russia, well, because of many, many reasons. So it was quite a, quite an easy choice. I decided to build, to try to build something in education and on the US market is, it's a great country, great place to live. And it's the largest market in the world so it was quite an easy choice. To be honest. Yeah. And, and Mike, it's, it's so interesting you talk about this because when founders, you know, go through exits, it's, it's existential decision for them. They have to reinvent their personality. It, it's actually one of the things that's the scariest thing for, I think it's people as well as companies, which is actually reaching your goal, accomplishing your mission. Because once you've done it, a lot of people will get there and be like, what now? What next? And you saw this obviously with yeah. Microsoft, their goal was to put a PC in every household. And once they had done it, what now? What next? And they had to reinvent uh, that company. And Facebook, now known as Meta, is, is going to the same thing. I've One thing I've seen a lot of talking to founders is they also go through this, which is you for so long, you're working on this business, you're trying to make it as successful, and then you sell it and you've hit your goal. 
And so the, it, then yeah. it just crosses your mind. Where do I go from here? Obviously, it, it seems like you had an opportunity to potentially retire, become an investor. Yeah. There's a lot of different paths. Well, I guess what fueled your decision to start another company? Because I know you talk about specifically this passion for education, but there's a lot of ways to contribute to the yeah, education field. Why did you want to continue being a founder? Yeah, you're right. It takes time to understand that it's a new situation when you, when you, this new reality. And it took time for me for, as I said, six, maybe to nine months. And I, I yeah, I tried to be a, an investor, angel investor. Well, in fact, I am. So I'm investing a little bit, but I just realized that building my first company, it, it changed myself before I built this company. And after I built this guy, after I sold this company, it was two different personalities and this personal growth was really impressive uh, and I loved the journey. So I just wanted to, to find something which will lead me to the next, next, uh, this growth uh, level or something. So I just needed some kind of a new challenge. I guess it's, it's, it, it was quite, quite a simple motivation in my case. Okay. So I guess timeline, we're now in 2019 or so. Walk us, I guess, uh, to what is the realization that comes to you that makes you realize that Pivot is your next big opportunity? Yeah, as I said, I just wanted to build something in education and on the U.S. Uh, market or in the global market, but I, I didn't know exactly what I'm going to build. I, I started with searching for co-founders because I thought that it, it is more important to do like with whom you are doing then you know, what you are doing. Yeah. So my first move was to find co-founders and I met like through my network, I spent a lot of time on that and through my network, I could find some two great co-founders living, both living in Europe for Dina and Kostya. So Dina is living in Montenegro, Kostya in Ireland. And we all were passionate about education. And then we just started experimenting on the US market and somehow we, some, somehow we it led us to, to, to this idea of building this cohort-based and community-led programs and courses for, in, in, for this creative profession. Like, yeah. This is fascinating. Actually, what's coming to mind right now is Jim Collins has a famous book called Good to Great, and he, he talks about yeah, it. Yeah. Too much focus on what to build rather than who to build. And something that's consistent about great companies is the people. And so it just it's fascinating to hear that for you, the number one priority was just finding the right people to work with. And so you start with the co-founders and then you arrive at kind of the idea. Uh, walk us through it this time. And I'm curious what year it is, what you're seeing going on in the industry. Because in 2019, it was still pre-pandemic. It still wasn't clear that online education, cohort-based co communities or cohort-based education was going to be big. Uh, uh yeah, I just just wanted to clarify that uh, we started Pivot in 2021. In 2019, I was just I just I was just finishing my work in Yandex. It was 2021. It, it's it was already pandemic. Okay, so yeah. now we're post pandemic. Okay, so yeah. at this yeah. point in post pandemic, I think the big players obviously Lambda School had been around for a while. Reforge had been around for a while. On deck yeah. was just taking off in a massive way. Where was the gap you were seeing? Obviously, there were players in the space, but there was a gap in the market that clearly you guys have had identified. 
Yeah. When I thought about the market opportunities, I, I created a, a very simple filter for myself when I went to choose a niche. And this filter was to find a market or a niche on the market which will grow uh, 100 times in the next 10 years. Yeah. Simple filter. Because in this, I experienced it, it in this food delivery business. It's very easy to build a company when the market is growing. Because you, you can make mistakes and so on, but if the market is growing, you're growing too. So uh, my idea was to find the market which will grow like 100 times in the next 10 years. And we found it in this fashion economy or uh, creator's economy field. So we realized that there are many great players uh, that you mentioned, for example, WeForge, Undeck and so on, but mostly and uh, Bloomtech and many other companies, but mostly focus on these digital professions, on these developers, engineers and so on. But all these creative professions like, I don't know, fashion, design, uh, health and so on, they were just somehow for forgotten. So no, there, there was no any large player in this niche. So we were, we, we really love what our, for example, Reforge and Undeck are doing. So in the tweet size speech, we are building the same, but for the creative industries, for creative niches, like, as I said, like, and, and maybe focused maybe more on entrepreneurship and solopreneurship, what, what is called passion economy or creators economy. And that is, that was a really interesting observation. I'm just curious, what gave you the conviction that the market was going to hundred X in the next 10 years? Well, there was, well, to be honest, there was no conviction, obviously. I just thought that. Well, creators economy is really growing. And from the first principles, I think that more and more people will become like solopreneurs or something because all these tech platforms like Instagram or marketplaces or, and so on, they give opportunities to build small one-person businesses. And so this is a kind of a first principle. More and more people will move to this, uh, let's call it solopreneurship. To be honest, we didn't make any estimations or something. It's just a logical thinking. So it. I believe it will grow. So this is how it. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. And and I think there there's got to be some level of conviction, internal conviction from the founders and and this gut feeling. I'm and and absolutely. I think it's interesting because I think one of the most fascinating trends that we've seen is the the fact that the internet has given birth to these new careers. And though the problem with these new careers is just this idea that you can't actually learn at a university or school on how to take on these careers. Like you can't go to school to become a YouTuber. You can't go to school yeah. to learn how to do social media marketing or even digital sales or be an NFT trader. And these are careers that didn't exist five, 10 years ago. Uh, some, some of these fields didn't even exist six months ago. And so the problem with that is that to learn from a university at that point, it's already too late. You're already behind. And so to actually thrive in these professions, you need to be learning from the absolute industry best and the people who are in the trenches in the forefront. And, and it might be that they're not, they haven't been doing it too long, three years, but if TikTok hasn't been around that long, so if you've been on the platform three years, you're already an expert. And so I think there's, there is something to be said here about online education enables specialization in the most niche of topics. And it's, it's for careers that are moving and developing so quickly that traditional institutions just don't have the time to build curriculum for. 
Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. As you said, we see the rise of, let's say, like 10 new careers per year in this creative field, 10 or 20, I don't know, it's like tens of careers. They just didn't exist like one year ago. So it's the first point. The second point is that all these colleges and universities, they are, they doesn't work for adults. People in their 35 or 40, they doesn't have two or three or four years to learn something new. It's just impossible. And to to pay like, I don't know, 30 to 100,000 or something. So this is a huge gap because, yes, as you said, this all this traditional education is too slow and it's too expensive and too long for these careers. Yeah, it's a huge gap. So it's really huge. And another point to bring up here is also the fact that it's not just the education that's missing. A big part of it is when you are a solopreneur, it's just fundamentally lonely. And yeah, one of the people, one of the things that people here are looking for is not just, hey, how do I do this? How do I become a solopreneur? It's also building that community. It's just to have other people who are going through the same struggles and the same pain and are in the same life stage as them. That in itself can be life changing for people. And I've seen it happen firsthand. Uh, for me, it was going through a startup accelerator, which is I went through Y Combinator two years ago in their first remote batch. And, and Again, it's a very similar kind of mindset where you have a group of people who are in the same life stage who are struggling with the same things. And just to have this structured program for them to go through with one another actually brought us together. And, and I, I know I'm going to have lifelong friendships that came out of that badge, despite the fact that we none of us have really met in person and the fact that we are so far away. Yeah, exactly. That, that's how we thought about it. Because when we started, to be honest, when we started Pivot, it was just a four-month online course. For example, be a personal stylist or be an interior designer course. And people just finished this course, like they became a person, like aspiring personal stylist. But at this point, they they were just at the beginning of their way. And we just realized that we need to to give them something else. When, you mean the course is finished and we, we say to them, okay, goodbye, good luck to you. But this was wrong because at this point, this is really hard point. They need a support and the first of all, support of like-minded people because being an entrepreneur or solopreneur or something, is a, it's, yeah, you feel loneliness because you face problems. You can't discuss it with, with your family. They don't understand you with your, I don't know, employees, with your investors, you need someone to, to discuss it with frankly. So that's how we realized that, that we should bring not only a course to our product, but also a community. And then we added this community layer because so now our programs looks like four months intensive course and a 12 months community layer when people just do it together. And help each other. And it's funny because it's something that's a trend that we're starting to see really pick up. And I like to call them cohort-based communities, where it's this idea yeah. of the cohort is just an on-ramp into the community. And it makes perfect sense. You look at even colleges or university, you go through this program, but then you're in the alumni network and the alumni help yeah. each other and then continue to support each other. And you may be less involved, there may be less programming, but still that community is strong. And so one of the things that I, I see that is a little bit disappointing is all these programs out there that are, you run through an intensive cohort and then everything just stops. There is just yeah. no more communication. You're out, you're on your own. And so the really powerful trend that's starting to take off is cohort-based communities that you guys have implemented, which is this idea of uh, you have this onboarding period, you have this curriculum, but then afterwards yeah. you still get the support that you need from the network. 
Yeah. And and they have, by the way, in this community layer, uh, they have quite intensive calendars. So our community, these community members, these alumnus, they, they have, let's say, three live events weekly and they take part and, and there is a lot of intercohort communication. Maybe some of our learners are even tr- uh, start teaching other learners from next cohorts to, for something and so on. And it looks really beautiful when you take a look because it's quite an open community. They help each other and this looks great. Uh, walk me through the very first program you guys launched and I, I guess how you chose that specific vertical and niche. Yeah, the, the first program called uh, Be a Personal Stylist. So this is, a, this is in fashion vertical. How we have chosen it? Well, it was absolutely accidentally, to be honest. <laughs> yes. So no, no, any, you know, statistics or something. We just, with my, with Dina and Costa, we just sat down and decided, okay, I love fashion. Fashion is good. So let's start this personal style thing. Let's try it. So we started with this and it works. It's, it's it's our largest course at the moment and looks great. We and we are gonna we are gonna start some new professions, new courses in fashion vertical. So we bet on fashion uh, a lot. It's a great great niche, great vertical. So yeah, which is interesting and a little bit counterintuitive, right? Because I think most people think that when you're learning online, that you'd primarily be learning skills for digital careers. I yeah. uh, can. I guess, help me understand how education for fashion works online and and is it as effective as in-person education? Absolutely. Yeah. And in styling, when I say styling, I mean clothes, not uh, not hair or something just to clarify. Yeah. So in personal personal stylist and wardrobe styling, it's quite easy. And by the way, virtual styling is a trend. If you know this companies like Stitch Fix, so they hire like hundreds of virtual stylists and Amazon, by the way, they just launched the same company. Well, it works. We, we don't see any, any, any problem in online education here. In fact, well, they have some assignments. Our students, they have some assignments that they need to do like in real life, for example, to style her friends or something. But it's not a problem to teach it online, to be honest. So we didn't face any problems. Fascinating. So I guess then maybe talk about what are some careers that you think would be difficult to teach online? Because I think so shockingly, I, this is also what I argue with my friends is I actually think that vast majority of careers, you can have a large portion of the education take place online. I think with some careers, you're going to need an in-person component as well, but there's no reason you can't learn to be a doctor online, have go through all your theoretical classes online, learn all the textbook theory from the experts of the world, and then go in person a couple times a week and then learn the in-person parts of being a doctor. Yeah, well, I think some careers need some offline part, especially when you're doing something with your hands, something like your craft. When you're doing a haircut, for example, you, you just have to try it offline. So it's, it's, the only, it's the only way. But yeah, but I think the vast majority of careers now, it's possible to learn at least for, for, for some level online. Yeah, and obviously it will it, it will be, be more and more professions like in future. That makes sense. Yeah, and and so I guess you've you launched your first vertical, which was obviously in in this fashion yeah. vertical. Talk about all the other programs you've launched uh, to date. Yeah, 
So we, we decided to start with three verticals. The first one is fashion. So in fashion, we are going to launch like six to seven core, uh, like different careers, like personal style and celebrity style and editorial, like launch your fashion brand and so on. The second vertical is design. And we just launched interior designer and maybe some, uh, we, we will launch home stage or maybe landscape designers, careers in design and especially in interior design. And the third one is a very large category is a health. And we just started a program called Be a Nutritionist. And we are going to launch Be a Health Coach, Be a Wellness Coach, and so on. So the health vertical is, well, these verticals, they are, quite, they are quite different. For example, we don't see any serious competition in fashion, for example, and even in design, but in health, the competition is huge and the market itself, it's much bigger. It's a bit different. So it's interesting uh, how it will go. As for this design and health verticals, we just have our first sales, first cohort. So it's just the only beginning. Uh, but the first signals are good. So it's, it's even easier to start uh, courses in these verticals and fashion. That Makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm cu- I am curious, what is what does the student experience look like? So obviously you talked about there's the four month uh, intensive cohort, then the community. But in those four months, what, what is uh, a typical schedule for somebody going yeah. through Pivot? Yeah, so four months is 16 weeks. So they have 16 modules, weekly modules. So we gather them in intercourts, cohorts from 20 to 60 people. Usually it's 40 to 50 people. Inside these cohorts, we divide them on smaller, we call it support bubble, smaller group of groups of five. So they have a group of five, like support bubble, and they, they, they have their cohort, like 50 people. And then they start moving through these weekly modules. And we have several levels of education. The first level is pre-recorded video lessons. So every week they have like five to seven video lessons in their LMS system. They need to watch them, obviously. This is the first layer. The second layer is assignment. So they need to create some assignments to, to make some, to do some case studies and also together, sometimes personally, sometimes together with, with their peers. So assignments is the second layer. The, the third one is live events. So they have like around three live events weekly. This is a Q&A session with the curator. This is a guest speaker lecture usually. And this is some kind of a community event. So this is a fourth layer of this community event. When they have some intercourt communication, some peer circles, some ask me innocent sessions with other students who just succeeded and so on. So these four, four layers of uh, education. That's terrific. And, and I think this is a common yeah, theme uh, we see. Yes, sorry, sorry I, ju- I just didn't mention that, of course, they have a, a Slack community. So we have our community managers and facilitate all these uh, things in Slack also. Yeah, yeah, so talk more about that. Obviously, like teaching online requires a lot of infrastructure. There's clearly you have to use tools to help facilitate the student experience. So what tools are you using? We've generally found that there's, you're going to need something, especially for these kind of live online learning experiences. You generally need something for community, something for payments, something for learning management, and then something to handle all, all of your live events. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I'm re- I really appreciate this no code, low code technologies, which is really grown because when I, when I started my first company, like six years ago, we just needed, I don't know, 10 developers to do what one no code engineer can do right now, six years later. So this is just, this is just great. So speaking about what we are uh, using in Pivot on the backend, well, we use 
Thinkific as an LMS system, we use Zoom for mostly Zoom for live sessions. We, by the way, we also want to try hopping for larger broadcast events, but haven't tried it yet. But uh, this is a plan. We use uh, Slack for instant messaging. We use uh, sometimes we use Notion for some occasional reasons, like creating some kind of uh, note or a wiki or a board dashboard or something. And uh, we use Stripe, HubSpot, yeah. And uh, yeah, and by the way, we we started using virtually uh, as an automating tool for live events, and and it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, that, it's great, great to hear. Obviously, we we love to support our programs as as much as we can. I guess yeah. one thing one thing I am uh, curious about is you're obviously the team's at twenty right now. What, talk about I guess what were the first key hires you needed to make to support the student experience? Yeah, the the first one we hired. After so we were three at the beginning, the three co-founder. Then we then we hired a designer to be honest, just to create all the materials and so on. As the, the methodology and educational experience we created ourselves. So uh Kostya he's our chief product officer, so he's deeply in education. And uh, so he created all this methodology. And uh, so the first hire was a community manager. We hired Kayla from Chicago and she helped us a lot. She's with us right now. And this was a great hire. And I think that community managers and all this, you know, human touch, yeah, especially in, in the beginning, it's, it's, it's really very important. So yeah, we hired a great team for our community and all this facilitating all these events, all this learner success. We, we call it learner success team. Yeah, th- this was our first hire, community That's- manager. That that's terrific, and yeah, I think one of one of the questions that's coming to my mind right now is I just the when you're building these types of programs, it's just you have to choose who you want to cater to. Obviously, you can build programs cater to beginners, intermediate, advanced. For a typical, when you when you're marketing Pivot, what's the narrative? Who do you think programs like Pivot are right for? Uh, where what stage do you have to be to get the most out of the program? Yeah, well, according to our name, so we are searching for people who, who, who want to pivot their career. So, for example, our, our learners are like there, like from 20 to 40, let's say. So it's adults and they want to switch like to pivot their career from like being, I don't know, a, an accountant or in some employee in a bank or a nurse or I don't know. We have different cases, to be honest. So this is. I think this is the the general case. But obviously, of course, we have, for example, in our fashion vertical, we have experienced season stylists who join the program just to boost their career, to gain new knowledge and so on. So I think we have like around 70% of these pivoters, as we call them. So the switchers, who, people who switch from different career, and 30% people who are already in this career, but they want to boost their career and gain some more knowledge and experience and so on. Yeah, Mike, we talk about this a lot on the podcast. Just this idea of this is just proof that education and just our relationship with education and work is changing. There was a time where you would go to college and you'd get this one degree and that's all the education you would get for the entirety of your life. But that's just not true anymore. I think like with the Internet causing industries to evolve so quickly, programs like Pivot really help with that. And I I think it's actually really magical because really, and like you said, it's in the name, right? You help people pivot careers and it's really powerful because that's been hard to do before. I think a lot of people feel stuck, like at a certain point in their life, they feel like it's too late to switch because graduate schools have been primarily the only option for this, but they're too rigid. You have to 
quit your job. You have to move halfway across the country. You have to gather up a lot of debt. And it's just not feasible for a lot of people. And the, the powerful thing about programs like Pivot is it fits into your life. You yeah. can do it from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to leave family. You can do it part time. And that is powerful. Yeah, exactly. And, and another thing, but it's quite scary, to be honest, you know, to pivot, uh, it's a scary thing. So, and that's why this is another reason to build a community be because it helps a lot because you need, you need a lot of support on your way. And sometimes not only support, but from your, from your peers, Hey, don't stop, please do this assignment and so on. So this really works. We, we just see we have uh, different gamification and social mechanics instruments inside our programs when some kind of, some people in the, the support bubble, small groups, they have to push another one just to go further, not to stop and so on. And, and this works. So yeah, but it's quite scary to change something in your life, especially something big like a career, for example. But yeah, I think such large companies like Pivot and, and communities helps a lot. Yeah, you're totally right. It's it's just that, that mo again, it's this has generally been such a solo experience, but when you have other people who are doing it and it's working for them and it's changing their lives, it's so much more motivating. And I think YC similarly had an effect on us as, as founders is you would see all these other founders making progress and then that inspired you to make progress and yeah. it becomes this circular loop where everybody's helping one another. By well, the way, you know, by the way, an interesting fact, you asked me why I, why did I start a new company? So one of the reasons I didn't mention was that there in Russia, we, we would also build a community of founders. And when I sold my company, I just stopped doing being a CEO or something. And I, I was just having rest and watching other people from my community continue growing, continue doing stuff. So I just couldn't step away. I need to go and do something else. So. It's the founder <laughs> yeah. curse. You always yeah. want to be building. You always want to be growing. And when you uh, when you have people surrounding you for, for building something, you just can't stop. You just, okay, so everybody is building something. So yeah. Yeah, I just have to. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it, it just, it's that and being in communities like this, it, it builds that accountability. Where it's with your typical asynchronous courses, you can just sit home and you can just forget, forget to actually go through the program. Most people never finish these async programs. And yeah, I think yeah. a big part of it is the reason that live learning works is that there is a dedicated time and place for learning to happen. But with asynchronous programs, you need to build that discipline yourself. You need to time box. And most people just don't have it. And so when you have it on your calendar, on your schedule, and you're showing up and people will notice if you don't show up, that creates accountability. And so much of learning is that accountability and, and doing it with other people helps with that. Yeah, it just simply appears that human beings just, they can't learn separately. So yeah. it's just a, just a fact. Yeah. And, and I guess my, my final question, I know, Mike, we're running out of time right now, is you guys are continuing to grow and who knows, you guys could be at thousands of students in just the coming year. And as you guys continue to grow, how are you able to keep a pulse on how students are progressing? And obviously when it's smaller, it's easy to have one-on-one -on -one relationships with everybody. But how do you know that somebody is on track to completing the program versus somebody who's at risk and needs a little bit of help and course correction? Well, we, we already have like hundreds of students at the moment. It's it's not thousands, obviously, but it's it's hundreds and well, we have a lot of analytics, we have a lot of statistics, and we have this human touch. In our business model, we just have a community manager for every 100 students, and they are just 
sometimes they just even become some kind of friends or, or something. So it's it's a really high touch. And besides that, you have a lot of analytics, like, for example, like how many Zoom sessions they're visiting, how many assignments they're completing, how many messages they're sending in Slack and many signals. And we have some some analytics like who are active, who are highly active, who are active, who are sleeping awake, who are inactive. And then we, if we, in our CRM, if we see some, something is, someone is like moving from being active to sleep in a way, we just, our it's, it's just a signal to our community, for our community manager to, to ask what's happening. So it's like a mix of analytics and all these signals and with mix with human touch. That's, that's, that's amazing to hear. Again, it's, it's just, a, it's a new industry. We're all figuring it out together. And, but I am so excited for what you guys are building here and cannot wait to see what unfolds in the coming year. With that, Mike, tell us, just do you have any last minute plugs? How can our listeners learn more about you, learn more about Pivot and register for an upcoming program? Yeah, so it, it's quite easy. Just visit pivot.ws and there are few programs there so you can just join the next cohort and we will be happy or you can recommend it to to your friends yeah we'll be happy to have you yeah that's terrific mike thank you so much for coming on this was a blast and we will talk to you soon yeah thanks ish hey ish here if you enjoyed that episode will and i would love for you to leave a review and to subscribe on your favorite podcast player it really helps get the word out if you want to keep up when new episodes drop, head on over to reshapingeducationpodcast.com or give Will and I a follow on Twitter. All the links will be in the show notes. With that, this is Ish and Will signing off.